with us on our final day of the virtual basketball coaches clinic. It is my pleasure to introduce you to our head men's basketball coach, Stan Johnson. Coach Johnson will speak on making the big time where you are. Coach Johnson will address staying present and where you are at while branding and investing in yourself in order to impact your current organization while increasing your advancement opportunities. Coach Johnson's coaching history includes nine postseason bursts where he coached at Vegemi State, Southwest Baptist, CSUN, Utah, Drake, Arizona State, and most recently Marquette, where he was the associate head coach, guiding consensus first-team All-American Marcus Howard. Uh, as a reminder, before we hear from Coach Johnson, I ask that if anyone has any question, to please address those questions in the chat section so we can address them after Coach speaks. And as a reminder, per NCAA rules, no prospects can be on this call individually or with a coach. And with that, thank you. And now I'd like to introduce you to our head men's basketball coach, Stan Johnson. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it, man. Uh, appreciate all of you for, for joining me and our staff this week. Uh, you know, it's humbling. I had a chance to, to, to listen to three guys before me and uh, feel so honored to, to have guys of that stature be on my staff and um, hope the guys that, that were on that call the last three days, hope you got some out of it. Um, you know, I, I want all of you guys to know every single one of you on this call, you know, on this call right now, I don't even know who's all on here, but there's somebody on here that will coach in a final four as a head coach. There's somebody on this call that's going to win a state championship. There's somebody on this call that's going to win conference titles. There's people on this call that are going to do greatness, uh, things that you can't even imagine right now. Um, for you guys, just understand something. I mean, my, my road to where I'm at, I am right now was so humbling that even Michael Harris couldn't pronounce the name of the school I started at, Bemidji State, right? And who would have thought a guy from Bemidji State, uh, where I started my career, um, would be here in Southern California? Um, and we're not done, and I'm not done. Um, but that's what has led me to want to have this conversation with you guys. And I'm some of these guys that are on this call, I think, uh, have worked our camps at Marquette when I was there. You've kind of heard some of this. Um, and I wanted to share this with you because, you know, a lot of times in our business, you hear this thing like big time. I, I want to get to the big time. And it's always for me, it's like, what, what does that mean? What does it mean to be big time? And that's what I want to get into it um, with you guys. And I want you to know that all of you are big time. And the fact that you're taking time out of your schedules to do this, to listen, uh, says a lot about who you guys are as people and what you want to do in the business. So I appreciate that. The thing I want to ask you guys, all of you on this call, like, what's your process? What's your process? What's your daily routine? What do you do every single day when you wake up? What does your day look like? And just so you know, like I want you guys to listen. I have a plethora of notes that we're going to email to you when, when we get off this. So don't feel like you need to take it. But what's your routine? What does your day look like? This is what my day looks like. I wake up every single day at six o'clock in the morning, every day. The first thing I do, I open up the Bible. Okay. I read two chapters. And I'm not saying that to say, oh, I'm a saint. I am not a saint. That's why I need to read it. Okay, so that's not, oh, look at me. No, 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 no. 
I, I, I need to read that because I, I got to get uh, uh, balanced. All right. The second thing I do after I read that, or okay, I call the success hotline. The success hotline will be on your notes. Uh, you guys will have it, the number. And what it is, is it's a one to two minute motivational deal. You call and there's a message for that day. So I listen to that message. Sometimes I take notes. The next thing I do is I plan my day systematically. As an assistant coach, it was a to-do list. The things I needed to get done, the people I needed to put Wojo in front of, parents I needed to talk to, et cetera. As a head coach, I plan all my meetings. So I woke up today, plan my staff meeting, plan the marketing meeting. Any meeting that I'm going to have coming up that day, I plan that. The next thing I do, I go on a run. I run to the beach. I touch the beach. I always have a quote I want to put out there. I take a picture or a video screen of the beach on Instagram, and I have my quote for the day, and I put it on Twitter as well. And a lot of times people go, well, you got all these quotes. They're like, what are you doing with these quotes? And I think sometimes because, you know, human nature, sometimes we can be such pessimists or, you know, you, you have so many haters. It's like, well, look at this guy. He's trying to act smart. No, here's a secret I want to share with you. Those quotes are usually for me. They're a constant reminder of the things I still want to be, who I want to be. I come back home, shower, I grab my shake, I'm out the door. It takes me about 15 to 20 minutes to get to my office. I make one phone call to somebody every single day on the way to office. Today, I called my neighbor in Milwaukee who I haven't talked to since I moved. Some days I may call a media member. Okay, it may be a, a former a, a coach, but I try to touch somebody on the way to work. Think about what I just said to you. From six o'clock to about 8.30, I've probably gotten six or seven things done. What's my point in that? Number one, things are going to happen to you or you're gonna make things happen for you. You have to be intentional about what you're doing. What are the things that you guys on this call are intentional about? The second thing it does for me, it creates what I want my day to be. You have to make it a good day. It's not just going to happen because you wake up and you hope to have a good day. You have to make it a good day. Hope is not a strategy. And I encourage you guys, before I get into my 10 steps of creating and making the big time where you are, I want to say that to you. You have to be process driven. If you're not process driven, the day is going to go by and you're gonna look back and you've lost a lot of time. The second thing, you gotta make it a good day. You have to make it a good day. And that's, that's kinda of how I start my days. So, number one, let's make the big time where we're at. How do we do that? Number one, understand this, the big time is not a place. It is who you are. When I was at Bemidji State, and I see my man Aaron Kohlhoff on the screen, appreciate you being here. Aaron played with me one year at, at, at Bemidji. He knows me. He's known me forever. Aaron was a teammate of mine in Southern Utah. He, he, he knows who I am. But when I became an assistant coach at Bemidji State, and I'm, I swear to you, for as God is my witness, this is true. When I put that polo on, you couldn't tell me that polo wasn't as great 
as wearing a Duke polo. That's what I felt about being where I was. I was making $10,000 a year, sleeping in this guy's basement to be a coach. I freaking thought it was big time. You know why? Because I was there. And I carried myself that way. And the thing I understood really early in the business, and all you guys have jobs, and I hope you understand this, there is no greater job than the one you have right now. What are you doing in your job to make sure that that place is big time? Are you operating in a way that, well, you know what, I'm just at this high school or this is just my position and, you know, I'm only this kind of guy, so I have to operate at this level. If you're doing that, you're not making the big time where you're at. And you're hoping for some name to come across your chest that's going to, like, validate who you are as a person or who you are as a coach. The other thing I want to tell you guys is don't catch the somewhere else disease. I've been around a lot of guys that got the somewhere else disease. If I could just only become the assistant coach at LMU, if I could only be the head coach at modern day, if I could only work at this job, man, my life would be that much greater. What a waste of time. And I'm here to tell you, when you do that and you get to those places, you realize, guess what, guys? It's not even what you thought. I can say this to you guys honestly, and I'm being 100% completely honest with you guys. Outside of the money, and money's a real thing, outside of the money, if you ask me, where have I enjoyed my time the most? as a coach, it's not even close. It's when I was a division two coach and it's not even close because we didn't have to deal with all the nonsense you have to do as you move up in levels. The game was so much more pure. The kids in the program were there for the right reasons. None of those guys were gonna be a pro, none of them. And you had to understand and learn how to do so much more with so much less. The other thing I wanna tell you guys is, don't catch the, if I was only with that person disease. Man, if I could be Coach Calipari's assistant, woo, my life would take off. Man, I'd have so much more exposure. If I could work for Coach K, man, I could get a better job. Guess what, that ain't reality. It's not reality. And if that's how you want to function and that's how you think, you're going to limit yourself tremendously. The beauty is not in the place, it's not in the person that you're going to work with. The beauty is in you. You hold the secrets to your own success. Make no excuses for your work or your success. I just said it to start this. Are you being intentional about what you're doing? Are you being systematic of what you're doing? Or are you waiting for some breakthrough to come through, come for you? Are you waiting for some friend to make it? Hopefully that friend will hire you. Doesn't work like that. There's no time for excuses. The last thing I'll say in my first point is, wherever you are at right now, because of your presence, 
that organization, that team, that high school, that college should be lifted because of you. You should be so freaking good at your job that they, you have leverage. You want to know how to move in this business? You have to have leverage. You want to know how to advance yourself within your own uh, company that you're at? You have to have leverage. How do you have leverage? You become an expert in what you do. If I went around right now and I asked the people who you work for or work with, would they say, you know what, man, damn, I can't lose that guy. There's no way we can lose him. He means so much to our program. He means so much to our school. He means so much to our organization and our university. We cannot lose him. If they're not saying that about you, you're not lifting up the organization in a way that you can. I encourage you to do that. Number two, you are always being evaluated. Always. By administrators, by your colleagues, by players, by your peers, by the media, whoever you are around, you're being evaluated. True story. I'm at Cal State Northridge. I just get the job at Cal State Northridge. I was an assistant at Southwest Baptist for three years. Prior to that, I was at Bemidji State for two. I have a chance to go to frickin' Northridge. I'm at Northridge. First day at Northridge, I walk into Cal State Dominguez Hills. The pumps used to have these huge tournaments there. There's a guy by the name of Jim Boylan. He's coming from Michigan State. He's now the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. We're walking into the gate, into the door at the same time. And Jim, I'm from Utah, right? So I see Jim and I say, hey, Jim, you're going to love Salt Lake City, man. You're going to absolutely love it. Big time place. They love hoops. Great university. You're going to kill it. We shake hands. I walk in. I sit down. That's it. A year later, my phone rings. It's Jim Boylan on the other line. He said, Stan, Marty Wilson has just left. He's gone to uh, Pepperdine. I'm going to interview some people. I'd love to talk to you. You know what stood out about you? The day that you came up and introduced yourself to me, you were wearing khaki pants. You had a white polo on. The way you carried yourself, I actually watched you. You went and sat down. You stayed away from people. You took notes. You evaluated uh, the event. You weren't on your phone. You weren't doing any of that. I watched you that entire weekend. Think about that. I had no relationship with Jim Boylan. One handshake, the way I maybe presented myself and the way I carried myself when I was at that gym, not assuming that he, by any stretch of the imagination, was paying attention to me, that got me in the door to have an interview. That led me to getting the job at the University of Utah. Carry yourself the way you want to be perceived. Carry yourself the way you want to be perceived. I see so many guys in the business, it's like, guys, your first impression, man, may be your only impression. How you act, how you talk, how you speak, how you look. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. But we're being evaluated. And that little detail is the difference between you getting in the door or you not having a chance to move up in the business. And by the way, if you're big time, there's a way you carry yourself. I've had our guys ask me all the time, why do you dress up when you come to work? There's a couple reasons. One, there's a presence that I want to have, and there's a way I want our program to look. Two, as an African-American coach, I'm always going to be judged 
differently than my counterparts. That's just facts. And every single detail matters. And I would encourage all of you in here. It's a small thing, but it's a big thing. And it's a difference between getting a job, not getting a job, or having a chance to interview for a job. The details matter. I worked for a guy at, at Northridge. His name's Bobby Braswell. He's now the assistant coach at, at Long Beach State. He was, the, at that time, the longest tenured African-American coach in college basketball. If you went to Northridge and you said, hey, coach, um, I have a question about travel. You know, you go to the U-Drive. Everything was on the U-Drive. Every single aspect of that program was on the U-Drive. If we were having a recruiting visit at his home, you go to the U-Drive, it tells you the exact same cake that he wants to have, the aisle that it's in at, at the grocery store. There, there was zero room for, like, any creativity, right? Because his thing was, at Northridge, we are so behind the eight ball that we have to be the most organized program in the country. And if we're the most organized program in the country, we have a chance to win 50% of our games just off sheer organization. And I used to tell him, man, you major in the minors. And I'm not telling you to be so crazy organized that you don't leave room for flexibility, but the details in your work and what you do matter. Do your job better than what you're asked to do. On this call, I have a guy by the name of Ricky Munch. He's my director of basketball operations. Ricky Munch was a manager for four years for us at Marquette. Some of you guys who have heard me talk, when I was assistant coach at Marquette, after camp, I would come in there and I would say to you, the first guy I'm going to hire when I get a job is Ricky Munch. Ricky, were you the first guy I hired when I got the job? Yes. Why did I hire Ricky? I hired Ricky because Ricky worked with me. If I gave Ricky a job, hey, Ricky, we're playing Georgetown. I want the analytics in terms of where um, player X is getting most of his shots. What are they doing in transition? All right, we have a kid coming in, and this is how I want this report to look. Guess what? Ricky would take what I gave him. He would bring it back to me in a way that I didn't even think of and way better than I thought of. Guess what? Over time and time and time and time and time, it's just in my mind, you know what? I'm hiring Ricky Munch. The day I get a job, I'm hiring Ricky Munch. Ricky, how old are you, 23? Yeah. I'm 23 years old, and he's the director of basketball operations at Loyola Marymount in the West Coast Conference. Come on, man. You know I hired Ricky? Because Ricky's big time. And as a manager, he never carried himself as a manager. He carried himself as an assistant coach. And that stuck with me. Two, strong body language, strong communicator. There's nothing worse than somebody with poor body language. I see guys all the time, coach, I want to make it. I want to coach. I want to be great. You want to be great, but your body language doesn't say anything about greatness. What's your body language look like on a daily basis? One of the reasons I start my day the way I start my day, because I want my mind to be right, because whatever is in my mind is going to be in my body. The ability to communicate. Are you somebody that brings people together? 
Are you somebody who can communicate in a way that makes it easier for everybody to understand? People value that. Are you a great listener? That's part of communication. Or are you somebody who's so interested in being the smartest guy in the room? The, smarter guy, the smartest guy in the room is a loser. You want to be the smartest guy in the room? To me, you're making it all about you. But your body language, the way you communicate, and the way you listen is a determining factor on who you become. The last, the second to last piece on this, and I would, I would, call, I would ask all of you, please, do not be a yes man. Don't be a yes man. No yes man allowed. That doesn't mean like you walk into meetings and you're just constantly going against the grain. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you're asked a question, you don't say something based on what you think your boss wants to hear. You say something because it's of the good of the team. And I can tell you guys, one of the reasons I think I've been able to advance, because whether it was Steve Wojciechowski, Jim Boylan, uh, Herb Sendek, the guys I've worked for, I was never afraid to speak my mind. And it wasn't based on an opinion, it was based on research. And what happened was, eventually those guys felt like, damn, this dude's got my back. He cares about me. He's not trying to just fit in so I can like him. He's actually telling me things that he feels is gonna be beneficial. Don't be a yes man. That only carries you so far, but eventually it's gonna get it's gonna catch up to you. Last thing, social media awareness. You're going up for a job. The first thing I'm gonna do if I'm looking at you to be my assistant coach, I'm gonna to go to your Twitter and I'm gonna to go to your social your Instagram. And I'm gonna see what you're talking about, and I'm gonna see what you're presenting to the public. Because what you're presenting may not even be who you are. But to me, that's a factor in, do I want that guy to be on my staff or not? For me, I've just gone through that. When they were looking at candidates for this job, the search firm, they go through freaking everything. Every single thing. What you put out there is who you are. So, I know we all have strong opinions. You should share those, but there's a way to do it. And there are certain things that should be on there and there are certain things that should not. Do not eliminate yourself from advancing because of what you have on social media. Number three, relationships. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Just so you guys know, and I'm, I'm giving you an example. This is what I've done since I've been here. Are you connected in your current role? Like whatever role you have right now, Wherever you are, how connected are you? And how connected are people to you? The thing I wanted to do, number one, I wanted to connect with my staff. And I hope, I hope if these guys were to, to answer your question, honestly, they would say, hey, man, we're involved. We feel connected to them. We know what's going on. We have a relationship that's bigger than basketball. Our players. There's not a week, a day that goes by that we don't talk to every single one of our players in a given week, their families. One of the things I did when I got here, we Zoomed every family member in our program. 
because I felt that was important. In my role, AAU coaches, we've called almost every AAU coach there is to call in the state. Local high school coaches, scouting services guys. We've spent the last two weeks Zooming all the scouting services guys across the West Coast, but primarily in California. Why? I want those guys to be connected to us. I want them to feel different about LMU. Local media. Matthew Lerman, my guy's on here, who's our SID. I've, I've told Matthew, Matthew, even if a guy doesn't want to do an interview with us, I want to be able to connect with those people, even in a Zoom or a phone call, an introduction. The national media, something I have set up moving forward over the next two weeks, we're going to try to hit every national media guy that covers basketball. Alumni, former players. I've talked to the president's cabinets, deans, student affairs, Westchester community, the neighborhood uh, council, season ticket holders, corporate sponsors, student section, fraternity and sororities. Now, everything I've said in there, maybe fraternity and sororities, if you're a high school coach or wherever level you are, every single one of you guys are capable of doing the same thing I just said. As a high school coach, you can connect with AAU coaches. As a high school coach, you can connect with other high school coaches. As a high school coach, you can connect with scout and service guys, local media members that may cover your team or high school basketball. In our community, right? I call it a community, our basketball team. We have staff meetings every morning at 9.30. We have what I call a circle meeting. In that circle meeting, it's every single person who touches our program, marketing, our, our, our AD, um, ticketing, uh, fundraising. We meet every two weeks. Why? I want them to have ownership of what we're doing. Our CARES meeting, in those meetings, it's our academic advisor, our trainer, our strength coach, our entire staff. And we meet every Monday. Why? To talk about each and every one of our players because I don't want anything to slip through the cracks. Once again, I want people to have ownership. We have marketing meetings every Thursday with my marketing team. And then I started a group, Lions for Life. And these are people who are highly connected that can get me in the doors with, with people that can help change our program from a financial standpoint. How are you making people feel a part of what you guys are doing? Here's a mistake most people make, like within your own league. Are you connected with the people you compete against? I see it so much in college basketball. Think about this. We have to recruit in college basketball. I see more coaches, assistant coaches, bashing other assistant coaches for one player. For one player. Think about that. We bash a guy for one player who at the most is probably only going to play for us for four years. But we're in a business where hopefully we're going to be in the business for 40 years. Think about that. What sense does that make? None. Those are the same guys who eventually are going to have jobs. They ain't hiring you. And you shouldn't do that because I don't want to bash somebody because I want them to hire me. You shouldn't do that because it's the right thing to do. And the more you can connect with people in your league, across the country, at your level, the more doors that can open for you. Don't, don't see that as a threat. And because one of those guys is maybe advancing, don't look at that and go, oh, man, I can't connect with that person because if I do, 
um, that's going to limit me because we're both competing to go somewhere or wherever that somewhere is. You're limiting yourself. Don't do that. I want to say this again, where people have ownership in what you're doing, that's, that's better than anything you guys can go out and organize. Okay. Be a great teammate, man. It comes back to you. The guys that I can't stand and I have the least amount of respect for that I've worked for were the I guys. Man, yeah, did you see that play? Yeah, shit, man, I drew that up. <laughs> I gave that to coach in the huddle. Yeah, that was – yeah, you know, we got Marcus Howard coming in. Yeah, man, yeah, I, I landed him. Woo! I, 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 I. I will get you beat. There's nothing that anybody on this call wants to do that you're going to do alone. I'm telling you. I'm in this position not because of me. And I want to say this to this group. Every single one of you guys on this call can be sitting in this chair. Every single one of you. And my hope is someday whatever your goal is and your dream is, you will be. I'm humbled to understand that. I was fortunate to get a job. It's not because I'm better than anybody else. It has nothing to do with that. But because people took the initiative to help me, that's what allowed me to get to where I am today. And if you guys want to go somewhere and you want to be big time, surround yourself with people who can help you get there. Number four, invest in yourself in, in order to have longevity in this game. You have to invest in yourself. How do you do that? Guys, do not pigeonhole yourself. Herb would tell you this. Steve Wojciechowski would tell you this. Jim Boylan would tell you this. Mark Phelps would tell you this. Bobby Braswell would tell you this. Jeff Gio would tell you this. I'm probably missing some guys. Any job I've ever been up for, I've made it very clear. If you want to hire me just to be a recruiter, do not hire me. I don't want that label. Do not pigeonhole yourself. So whatever position you guys are in, you better understand how to recruit. If, you're, if you can't recruit because you're in high school, you better understand the defensive side of the ball. You better understand what it is to, 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 to run good offense. You better understand how to work guys out and, 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 and make them better. You better understand relationships. You better understand relationships. You better understand culture building. In this time, there is nothing more important than culture. You better understand fundraising, high school, college, doesn't matter. You better understand marketing. If you're trying to advance in the business and you're a high school assistant or you're a GA and you wanna move up, do you understand film? If somebody called you and said, I need a film guy, can you do it at a high level? If not, why not? Technology is so easy now. What are you doing to understand these things? Do you understand crisis management? Are you a personality that runs away from it or do you run to it? Because I know for me, if I'm hiring somebody, I wanna be around guys that understand and can deal with crises. And then the last piece is, do you understand the new trends in our profession? What are you bringing to the table? 
Here's the other thing I'll say to you guys. Don't be afraid of not knowing something. Average people shy away from their fears. Average people shy away from their fears. They ignore them. They hide from them. The great ones run to them. Don't be that guy that, you know what, because you're uncomfortable doing something, you don't try it or you don't ask. That's why I love my career. Guys, I come from the mud, man. I don't have a tree. I told you I started at Bemidji State. Couldn't scrape two cents together. From then I went to Southwest Baptist. Both those places, literally some days had to drive the bus, had to clean the dorms, had to run practice, had to sweep the floor, had to do ticketing, had to do fundraising, right? And then you're going, gosh, dang it, man, I can't believe it. But now I look back, and now as we're trying to grow LMU and the places I've been, I'm grateful for that opportunity because there's no job I haven't had to do. So where you're at right now, take advantage of this. Not asking to protect yourself is freaking dangerous, and it will stunt your growth. Here's the other thing I'll say to you. It's not about the title. It's about your knowledge and your confidence. Quit waiting on the title. My title says head coach. Great. I've always carried myself as one. That doesn't mean you try to overstep your boundaries with the head coach, but you try to put yourself in your head coach's position. I was never a guy after a game that we lost when I went home and I was like, so screw that up. Man, whoo, Jim, man, if I was the coach, I would have done this. No, man, I'm with you. I'm thinking of ways for us to get better. So the next morning, I'm not coming to you with all the problems. I'm coming to you with solutions. Do you guys have solutions? That's how you have to think. Are you a CEO or are you a coach? A coach is a guy that shows up. He's a great workout guy. You know what? He's got tunnel vision. Um, he puts a great practice plan together. He knows his basketball. He's knowledgeable. And that's what he does. A CEO connects everything. A CEO sees things from a 50,000-foot view. Guess what? People want to hire and be around CEOs. You don't become a CEO because you have that title. You don't become a head coach because you have that title. You become a head coach because of your knowledge and your confidence. I encourage you to act like a CEO. If you're not a head coach right now, I encourage you to start thinking like one. Here's the other thing before we close on this. Surround yourself with high achievers. Surround yourself with high achievers. People who can make you better and people who can hold you accountable. Look at my staff. I hire two strong, strong-minded head coaches. I wanted that. I wanted that accountability and I wanted to get better. And I want to say this, I hired two other guys that are going to be head coaches. I'm talking about stars. Greg Yunkowski is a rising star in the business. Ricky Munch is a rising star in the business. I didn't want to be around yes men. I wanted to be around guys that were going to make me uncomfortable a little bit and get me out of my comfort zone and challenge me. Because you know what, at the end of the day, what I want to do here, I freaking want to win crazy big. And you can't go places by yourself. And I'm challenging you guys, put the right 
people around yourself. You want to look at where you're going? Just look at the four or five people you're closest to. Look at the four or five people that you're closest to in the profession and see where they're at. And that's a pretty, indi pretty good indicator of where you're going to be. Put yourself at clinics. Get to people's practices. Ask to sit in meetings. If you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. But you got to continue to put yourself in those situations where you get better. Number five, rejection equals success. Guys, listen to me. I went back home, Utah. Man, my first year there, we're rolling. Top 25 team. We're turning the program back around. Highest seed in the history of the Mountain West Conference. Guess what? Two years later, fired. Fired. I was literally one phone call. I was a Mark Phelps phone call away from probably being out of the business if I didn't get the Drake job because it was in like July almost. Guess what? Went to Drake. He had already been there five, four years. I don't know. We put a great two years together. AD didn't like it. Fired. Arizona State. Come in there with her. We're picked to finish like 10th in the league. My first year there, we signed three guys. We finished third. Come back with the youngest team in the Pac-12. We get a new AD that year. They picked us eighth. I think we finished fifth. Fired. New AD comes on, says, Stan, I want you to stay. I probably stayed for a month, and I decided to go to Marquette. Guys, if you go back to point four, invest in yourself so you have longevity, right? I was fortunate enough where I got hired because guys still thought I was good based on my knowledge, the way I probably carried myself, I hope, and my ability to help them. In a business where sometimes when you get fired in college, right, people act like you have a freaking disease. We're all going to get fired. That's a part of it. And I'm here to tell you that success is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. In those moments, yeah, was I depressed yet? Yeah, but I never lost enthusiasm for who I knew I was going to be. That didn't define me. Coaching isn't for the faint of heart. And I'll tell you what, I've learned my greatest lessons being in the valley, not on the mountaintop. And I've become, I become a better basketball coach in those moments than I am now, without a doubt. How you handle your setbacks are going to determine how far you go. But here's the thing, though. Have you, have you made enough deposits in yourself? Have you invested in yourself? Have you invested in those relationships? Where when you're in that drought, somebody can pick you up. I challenge you guys, man. Invest in yourself because the drought's coming if it ain't come. And you never know how long it, the drought's going to last. But if you invest in yourself at some point, the harvest will come again. Number six. What's your why as a coach? Whatever your why is, is going to determine who you should be. Like there's some of the guys on this call, I'm just, and I'm just being real, like some of you guys want to be college coaches. You're not built to be college coaches. I'm not built to be a high school coach. You know why? Because I think it's freaking hard. And I don't think my brain functions that way in the way I think. I don't think I would be a very good high school coach. I have great respect for high school coaches. It's a fit. But you better understand who you are. 
and where your talent is best suited rather than what you want. Those are two different things. And it never should be about the money. Okay, so it should be about your family, what your strengths are, and what you truly love. Find that. When you find that, that'll determine the type of level you should be at. Know your strength and know your weaknesses, man. But it's all about a fit and it's all about your personality and whatever your vision is. Here's the last thing on that point. Don't mess with happy. Do not mess with happy. If you're somewhere right now and you are happy, man, there is not enough money in the world that can buy happiness. Stay happy. The big time is not going to some place where people go, oh, look at coach, he's here. The big time is being happy. It's understanding who you are and where you fit. But guys, you're going to be rejected. And you got to be able to handle no. Number six, excuse me, seven. How do you win the room? Winning the room. So like you get your opportunity, how do you win the room? Number one, be you. It's more than good enough. Don't try to be anybody else other than you. And understand this. You can be great and not get a job. You can be great and not get a job. I'm not great by any stretch of the imagination. My record is freaking zero and zero, but I'll be honest with this group. So a couple years ago, I was up for the Fresno State job. Would I have taken it? I don't know. Last day, I'm, I'm, I'm in Fresno in a secluded building with the president. Me and the president, Fresno State. I meet with him. I leave him. I'm walking out to get a call from my agent. Hey, bro, listen, this is you and the president. This thing, it, it's trending your way. I get another call. Guys start calling. Things are trending your way. Guess what? I got the call. They didn't hire me. They went a different direction. Last year, I'm up for the Buffalo job. Same thing. I get a call. Hey, where's Stan at? Search for him. Okay, boom. AD's going to call him in two seconds. This thing's getting ready to pop. Is he ready? I'm sitting by my phone. Guess what? Phone never rang. You never know what goes into a decision at this level. You don't know what booster gets involved. You don't know what decision maker gets involved as, an, as a coach um, at trying to move up to get an assistant job. I'm trying to hire guys. There are so many things that go into it. It's not because you're not good. Don't take that personal. There's so many things that go into getting a job. You can't walk away from that and go, oh, you know what I said? Man, shit. Their mistake. It wasn't meant to be. That wasn't the one. As hard as that is, it wasn't the one. When I got the job here, I didn't hire any of my friends. Not because my friends aren't good enough, but I wanted to hire the right guys. Those were hard conversations. But I want you guys to understand that. You can be great and still not get a job. Articulate your vision and your story when you get in front of people. Show who you are. And ain't about the other people you're going up against. It's you and that job. That's your competition. When you're up for a job, talk about yourself. Talk about your vision. Make it about you. Don't make it about anything else.
what gives you the, the competitive advantage on somebody else? What's your competitive advantage as a person? And, it, and I hope it ain't, man, I'm, I, there's no word that pisses me off than grinding. I hate it with a passion. Yeah, man, we're grinding. What does that mean? Everybody's grinding. Working hard is the price of a mission just to, to walk through the door. That ain't doing anything special. So what's separating you guys from somebody else? When you walk in the room that an AD or a coach or somebody would go, you know what? That's the dude. Do you understand that analytics? Our game is trending that way. Can you speak on it? Are you using it? What are you taking from those numbers and from that information? All the rule changes that are happening maybe in high school or college in the women's game, whatever. Are you able to articulate that to an AD and talk about what you like and what you don't like? Can you talk about global issues that surround your game? Not only your game, but global issues that surround the sport. If somebody was to sit with you right now and talk to you about the pandemic and how that's uh, hurting college football and how that trickles down to the rest of us, could you answer that question in an interview? If you can't, you ain't getting the job. I had a question for, I was sitting in an LAX uh, hotel when I was interviewing for this job and a lady on there uh, who is not in the athletic department but was on the search committee asked me, she said, name one person that has had an impact on your life that wasn't a friend, a family member or has worked in an athletic department. Think about that for a second. I was like, whoo. Can you come up with that? Boom. And I said, you know what? The custodian that cleaned our facility at Marquette. Every single day, my man Will walked in there and had a freaking smile on his face. He had a great message for me. He had his stuff tucked in. He showed me pictures of the weekend. The way he did his job, man, my man carried himself as if he was the president of the university, not the custodian. That dude has had a greater impact on me than I had on his life, but I was able to answer that. But you got to be ready to answer some things that you are not thinking about right now. And here's the deal. You win the room every single day. Every day is an interview. Every single day is a job interview for the job that you want. What are you doing to win the room? Practice your interview skills, guys. Guys, practice your interview skills. It's so funny. Ricky, I hope you don't get embarrassed. So I'm driving home yesterday. True story. Ricky Munch, Mops guy, he calls me. And Ricky and I are close. So Ricky, of course, he says to me, hey, I'm not, I don't want to boost up your ego or nothing, right? That's how he talks to me. But how did you become a decent speaker? And I said, Ricky, it's funny. When I was growing up, my family in church, man, they would put me in everything. Like, I had to recite Bible verses. At Christmas, I had to do this. I hated it. Freaking hated it. I got to college, and you got to speak in front of groups. And I remember calling my mom and dad and saying, I'm so glad you did that because it's helped me. But as I grew older, I studied press conferences. I watch how guys speak. I listen to some of the things that they're talking about. I can't tell you how many times for 17 years, 17 years, I have had my press conference while I'm driving to work. I have, I have 
I have said that a million times in my head. Guess what, guys? I ain't had a press conference because of the pandemic. So I'm still working on it. But every single day, you have to work at that. Number eight, once you get the job, this is when it gets interesting. Are you prepared to do the job? You're going to get the job. At some point, you're going to get the job. Are you prepared to do it? If you don't build your own dreams, guys, someone else is going to hire you to build theirs. And I've seen this as a mistake in uh, our profession, especially assistant coaches. We spend so much time building other people's dreams. We don't spend enough time putting our own thoughts to paper and creating our own program. In the last five years, six years or so, and Ricky can vouch for this because he's, he's been the caretaker of my blueprint and my hard drive for my program. I have systematically put my program together. Okay? Set aside, set aside time. You should set aside an hour to 30 minutes every day to work on you and your stuff. I don't care what job you're doing. You should set aside time every week to do that, every month to do that. If I came into you right now and I said, coach, let me see your program. Like, what's your mission? What's your mission as a coach? What's going to be your mission as a program? Could you tell me that right away? For mine, I've played with it for years. But for us here, take, take people to places they can't take themselves. That's it. As a player, as a student, as a person. What's your vision? Can you articulate that in an interview? What's your vision? Mine's simple. I want to prepare our guys for success after basketball. I want our guys to graduate from LMU. I want to prepare our guys to be successful in basketball, to be future pros. I want to freaking win a national title. I want to make postseasons. I want to win the WCC. I want to win 20 games. Our best competitors are going to play here. We're going to be well-prepared. We're going to be well-conditioned, and we're going to win the moment. And what does win mean to me? This will win, W-I-N. What's important now? That's stuff that you have to continue to tweak and play with and believe in. Because if you don't believe in it, nobody else is going to believe in it. If I said, what are your core principles? Could you tell me what those are? For me, it's simple, selfless. Connected, relentless, what does that mean? Selfless, LM over you, Loyola Marymount over you. If you haven't gotten over yourself, you can't work here and you can't play for me. Connected, relationships before championships. Relentless, we're gonna attack every freaking thing we do. Attack everything. I encourage you guys, build that. If I asked you, what's your above the line, below the line behavior as a coach? What do you stand for? What are some of the things you're gonna put up with and not put up with? Is that articulated clearly for your players to see and understand? What's the, on the first day in your job, the first 90 days, or excuse me, the first 30 days, what does that look like? What do you want to get done? What do you want to get done your first 90 days? What's your community engagement plan look like? One of the things, Matthew Harris is on here, and he helps us with our outreach, and he's in charge of marketing. But he can tell you when I got the job, I sent him a 200-day community engagement plan of some of the things that I wanted to do here. From a philosophy standpoint, okay, what's your philosophy on coaching your players? 
Like when you're talking to your staff, what's going to be your philosophy on how you do that? What's your coaching philosophy? When you're on the floor as coaches, what's your development philosophy? How you're going to get guys better or, 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 or females better on the practice court. What's your philosophy with practice? What's your recruiting philosophy? Do you have a defensive and offensive terminology sheet, your language right now that you can share with your program? What's going to be your game day, game day routine? What's going to be your program messaging? Even if I ask you guys, hey, when you're running your program, are you going to have a, a water break for two minutes? Where are you going to put the water? Like, what's your philosophy on that? Or are guys going to come off the floor, get it right back and go in? To that detail, are you thinking about that right now? Or are you going to wait till you get the job? Because if you're thinking about those things right now, guess what? The people you're working for are going to benefit from that. You know what happens for you? Shit, I got to pay this dude. He can't leave. I got to make it hard for him to leave. Number nine, comparison is the thief of all joy. Every minute you spend wishing you had somebody else's life or somebody else's job, you're wasting your time. Do not be envious of what someone else has because you have zero idea the price they paid to get it and you don't know the price they are paying to freaking keep it. Don't be envious, don't be jealous, and don't be a hater. Run your race, man. Run your race. Don't sit here and go, well, you know what, God, you know, Stan, shit, man. I'm better than him. And at some point, I was here and he was here. I could sit in this chair and go, man, I'm at LMU, man. I want to kick button. Man, look at Mick Cronin down the road, man. God, I want to be, I want to be like Mick. At what point is that going to stop? Somebody's always going to have more. Run your race. The only person you're competing against is yourself. And I can tell you that has served me well. The minute you take your eye off yourself and you start looking at everybody else, you're going to fall. And just understand this. Sometimes the people around you, man, are not going to understand your journey. They don't need to. It's not for them. Guys, my dad, who at 40 years old, I'm 40. I, have not, I did not take this job before I got his advice I have, until I, got, I talked to my dad. My dad, when I told my dad I was going to be the assistant coach at Bemidji State and I was going to make 10 grand a year and I was going to live in a dude's basement, I could tell he was so hurt he wanted to hang that phone up. You're a smart kid. You're intelligent. You have a college degree. What the hell are you doing? You know what's funny about that now? My dad is now on the message boards at Marquette in Utah, Arizona State. He's telling me what we're doing in recruiting. You know what? He's proud. He didn't understand my journey. He loved me. Now he can see it. Be careful who you're listening to, even the people that love you. The last thing, reading is leading. Reading is leading. What are you reading? For me right now, I just, you know, some of the books I've been through, Atomic Habits, Principles, Grit, You Win in the Locker Room, Training Camp, Leadership and Self-Deception, The Energy Bus, Seven Dysfunctions of a Team. On deck, I have uh, Multipliers, Talent Code, Culture Code, Good to Great. I usually like to overload myself. I like to have books everywhere because it's daunting. 
And it also is a constant reminder of how far I have to go and how much more I have to learn. What podcasts are you listening to? The one thing I left out when I go on my run, I have a podcast. Every morning I listen to a podcast. So I'll hit my run. I'll come back. I'm in the shower for about an hour there. I've gotten one podcast done. I've learned something. That could be the basketball podcast, the Woj podcast. You know, Dr. Phil, he usually has some high-level guests on there. Oprah's got her master class. I love learning about other people outside of my profession that are very successful how they did it. You know, I on college basketball. There's a bunch of stuff, but I encourage you to do that. You know, I want to say this to you before I take questions. Listen, every battle, man, it's one of my famous quotes is going to be up here, is won before it's ever fought. Right now, we're all fighting to get somewhere. And I'll say this to you guys. I really believe, like, our success as coaches are tied together. It's tied together. We're not here to fight each other. And if I can help everybody on this screen, I think the guys who know me, who have been in Marquette, you can have my number. You can call me, man. If I can get back to you, I promise you I will. If I can help every single guy on this screen get to where he wants to go, I'm committed to that. Guys, I want you to go further than I have. I really, really do. I never really had that, especially when I was getting into the business. If I can help you guys advance or get better or whatever you want to do, man, I will do it. But my challenge to you is, are you preparing for this battle before you have to really go fight it? And the last thing I say, and I stole it from Doc Rivers. Doc was a great player at Marquette. He's obviously the coach of the Clippers. We're all waiting right now because of this pandemic. We're all sitting here waiting. We're waiting for it to be over. And the thing I've done and said to our team is, you have to win the wait. When we get out of this, LMU's got to be in a much better spot than we were even before we went, the, pandemic, the pandemic happened. And we're finding ways, creative ways to win while we're waiting. And I encourage you guys, while you're waiting for that next job, while you're waiting for that promotion, while you're waiting to be a head coach, while you're waiting to get back into business, whatever it is, win the wait. Win the wait. Because that's what I'm doing. With that being said, I'll, uh, I'll take any questions you got. Thank you, Coach. Uh, first question we have from Joe is, what was the uh, toughest question you were asked in an interview, either at LMU or any other head coaching positions you interviewed for? How did you answer it? I don't know if I, you know, I, I shared one with you. I thought that was difficult that I shared. You know, when I, when I interviewed at Fresno State, it was a little different. They had like 10 people on this committee. And for literally like three hours, man, they freaking bombarded me with every question you could, you could imagine from Title IX to, um, you know, scheduling. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, how you, how you deal with, uh, you know, different uh, entities and constituent groups on campus and what would be your plan to connect. And once again, what I'm saying to you and what I just shared with you, if that's your daily process and that's what you're thinking, when those questions come, they can't, keep, they can't catch you off guard because you're already living that. So you, what I would say is you have to be more, you have to be prepared for things outside of the basketball questions. People want to hire CEOs. Uh, so it's not really one question. It's a married, uh, just the variety of questions at so many different levels that, that people throw at you. Thank you. 
Uh, next question comes from Benjamin. Uh, what was the biggest thing you learned from your first position to where you are now? I learned that the game's the same, just like I said. I learned that, you know what, you can sit, I remember sitting there always dreaming, gosh, man, I can't wait to, I want to be a high major coach so bad. You teach the same stuff. The game is still the same. You have to coach the same way. And that's been, the, and that's what I'm trying to say to you guys. The money gets bigger as you go and the pressure gets bigger. There's no doubt about it. You lose a game in Marquette, you're going to hear about it. Everybody's going to hear about it. They expect to, 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 be, to be great. You know, you don't get that at Southwest Baptist as much. You know, so the pressure, the money, that's a little different. But what I've learned that the game's the same, the beauty's the same. And you, you have to find out where you're happy. I wanted to be a Division I head coach. That was my goal. That, that doesn't have to be everybody's. But even sitting in this chair, if I went back to Southwest Baptist, it would be on a smaller scale. I would do things the exact same way that I'm doing right now. Uh, this next question comes in from Jordan. How do you inspire young players to have a relationship with God, their higher self, and culture that doesn't normally promote God or higher self as a driving factor for winning on the court and in life? I mean, that's a great question. I mean, you inspire people by what you do. You don't change the world by your opinions. You change the world by your actions. And you try to live the right way. And that doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes either. Um, but I'm somebody, I am a believer. Um, and there's no doubt for me, I'm here because of what God's done for me. But um, you have to, people have to be curious as to why you're a certain way. And, and, and if they become curious and they ask questions. And I think we all need to live our lives that way. Perfect. This next question comes in from Darrell. Is there a certain area that you target for recruiting? You know, here at, at LMU, we're, we're building a fence around the state of California, and that's important. When I was at Marquette, Arizona State, I was more nationally, and we'll do that here and there. But we, we want to make sure that the people in Southern California understand how much we want to be a part of this community, how much we want to keep great talent home. And um, so that's, you know, with our staff, that's been a, a major point of emphasis for us so far. Thank you. This next question comes in from Donnell. Uh, what are the qualities or skills do you look for in your coaching staff? I want guys that can do it all. You know, like when I got the job, so many people hit me, well, this guy's a good recruit. I didn't want to hire a recruiter. And the same thing I said, right? I didn't want to just be looked at as a recruiter. I wanted some say with the offense. I wanted some say with the defense. I wanted to be able to, to, to have some say in what we're doing as a program. Obviously, you have to earn that. But in order to have that, you have to have knowledge of that. And I want, I want guys that can teach. I want guys that can develop. I want guys that can coach. I want guys that can motivate. I want guys that can connect. And I want guys that can sell. Because if you can't recruit, forget about it. Everything I just said doesn't matter. Recruiting is a part of what we do. But I wanted guys that could, that could hit on all, all those levels and do it at a high, high level. Thank you. This next question comes from Tim Tucker. Um, being that you were an assistant coach for so long, what are the valuable tasks assistants should do that aren't exactly appealing? Well, number one, the first thing you can do is take stuff off the head coach's plate. I don't care if you're a, if you're a, a high school coach, a junior, take it off his plate. 
And if that's what I'm saying, if you operate and think like a head coach, your head coach, when he walks in and says, hey, um, do we have, yes, coach, we have, uh, that's planned, here's what we got, this, it's this time, boom, 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 here's the checklist. Again, what do you think that says to that guy? Man, that dude's on his stuff. Man, I cannot lose him. So what I've always wanted to do, and I think if you called Woja, he would tell you this. And it's funny, I was talking to Dwayne Killings the other day, and, and he made a mention and when I was gone, him and Woja were talking, so hey, you know, Stan carried himself like a head coach. That, that's the greatest compliment you could give me because that meant I made your job easier. Like conflict and crisis, you should be able to solve that before it gets to his desk. Coming up with crazy, you know, everybody's got ideas, right? And that's the other thing. You get in a huddle with a, with a head coach and it's in a timeout. And I think we should do this. Are you saying things just because you want to say something or have you researched it? Go over and beyond the call of duty. I've always gone over and beyond the call of duty. Like, for example, Marquette, every summer I would put together our offense, our defensive uh, deficiencies. Here's the thing. Here's the areas we struggle in. And this is what we need to do better. And this is how we need to implement it. That's a solution. And I think, I hope he took that and said, you know what? Man, perfect. Let me read over that. Okay, I like that. I don't like that. Let's add this. That, that was time he could do something else. Are you taking stuff off your head coach's or your boss's plate? The more you can do that, whether that's your relationship with the players, their parents, coaching, the whole nine, the better he's going to be and the better your program's going to be. Thank you. Just a few more questions here for you, Coach. Um, this question is about – you mentioned that you in, uh, enjoyed um, D2 as your favorite level. Uh, what was that experience like compared to Division One? Well, I, I think the D2 thing, you know, for me was uh, the, just the purity. You know, guys were there because they, want, they loved a hoop. It was, it was going to be their last stop. And, you know, I was in small towns where we got it going and we were winning. I mean, at Southwest Baptist, I think at one point we were like the second or third ranked team in the country. We were competing for national championship. I mean, that was awesome. That's, that Southwest Baptist championship means every much as much to me as the, the one at Utah. Um, but, but I love that part of, of, of kids really being in it for the right reasons. And, you know, the fans having an, a level of understanding of why we do this, you know, so from a D2 perspective, um, that's why. What was the second part of that question? Um, just compared to um, Division One, what, what you enjoyed about it most compared from D2 to D1? Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest part. You know, here at this level, especially, I mean, it's, hey, man, get it done or you're done. It's, it's simple. It's a business. You get it done or you're out. And you have to operate that way while trying to still have obviously meaningful and strong relationships. But uh, sometimes at this level, things can be very tr uh, transactional. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't love transactional relationships. I'm, I'm a guy, I, I really, I'm a, I'm a believer in transformational stuff. And at this level with all the pressure, sometimes it, it makes it hard for you to do that. The other thing, I don't know how many questions we have, but, I will sit on here and ask and answer as many as you guys have before we get off. 
This question comes in from Mark Blocker. Uh, what do you suggest uh, coaches do to network with other coaches and administrators with everything going on in the world? Reach out. I mean, everybody's got an email. And, and guess what? In this time, a lot of people do have time. And don't be afraid to step out and reach out and connect. Most of us are scared to do that because they may say no. Or I don't want to bother. Guess what? It's always a no if you don't ask. What's the worst going to happen to you if you reach out to somebody and they don't return your email or they say no? You're still in the same place. Connect. Connect with people. But do it in a way where it's sincere. Do it in a way where you're trying to learn, not trying to get something selfishly out of it. And if that leads to something, great. But don't be afraid to put that first ask in. And I encourage you, again, that's, that's a way to win the weight right now. Thank you. Uh, next question comes in from Chris Diaz. As a young coach, what are some unique ways uh, we can give value to other coaches to establish and maintain relationships? Well, I mean, if you're talking about other coaches within your league or, you know, just your peers, again, I think bouncing ideas off each other is good. Wondering why guys do certain things is good. We all are going to compete against each other, and we should. But we should have time where we can really learn from each other. So if there's something in your league or you see a school doing something, it's okay to call them and, and ask that. And some people will share, some people won't. But sometimes we can advance, we can advance more in our business uh, with each other than fighting each other. And I want to read this to the group because this just, this came to my attention and I missed out on this because you guys talk about relationship and I'm going to read it directly from our AD to you guys, if that's okay. So my AD the other day, he sends me a text. It was June 26, 9.51 AM. Okay. 9.51 AM. He sends me this text. Wanted to share this message. Um, I referenced from Todd Smith. He sent right after we announced the coaching change. Todd Smith is the strength coach. Calvin, you know, Todd. Todd Smith is the strength coach at Marquette. Calvin Bird, who's um, been a, a Division I head coach, worked with Todd in specific, so you know what I'm talking about, right? So this is from Todd Smith, the strength coach at Marquette, who I worked alongside. This is Todd talking. Pittance, I hope you and the fam are doing great. Sucks about the winter spring athletics, but we all understand and get it. Just one more challenge for you. I saw you let Mike go. I know you probably uh, have a short list and a search firm working on it. If you haven't looked into Stan Johnson here at MU, you should. Having worked daily with him the last five years, he's not a name, but he will be. Um, he has, he's got just the right amount of everything to lead a program. Great teacher. He keeps it simple. X and O guy. He's done the best scouts in my 14 years at MU. Recruits the right way and at a high level. We did not land them all, but we were in the fight with some dudes now. He has great relationships with our guys, very articulate, outgoing social personality, gracious, kills it with donors and boosters. He's been a great teammate for you. He'll be a great teammate for you in the athletic department. Okay? So t t uh, Craig says, just a great reminder for everyone that is networking. It isn't what people think. It's relationships. Think about that. I didn't know Todd was sending that. Craig told me before he sent that, 
when he was going back and forth with all the different guys, that was the separator. Think about that for a second. That text, in Craig's mind, separated it for him. Spend time with people, man. Connect with people. You never know. You never know. Thank you, Coach. This next question comes from Jerry. Mental health as well as physical health and training is unique to each individual player. What is your process in the assessment of each player's unique abilities physically and mentally? Yeah, I mean, mental health is huge, especially in this day and age. And you know, we do a lot of things. And the one thing I tell our guys, number one, we, we is we have people here um, that you can talk to. And it's okay to be able to talk to someone. I think sometimes as males, we have this ego that I'm okay, I've got my stuff together. And that's what I try to do is, is break down that guard and allow them to see why this is beneficial. And if you do this, this is not only gonna help your life, which is the most important thing, but it's gonna help your game. Where you're heavy mentally, you're gonna be slow physically. But it's, it's, it's being able to, to articulate that to, to my players, Again, back that by data. We've hired a mental performance coach here. And he's a part of our program. His name is Brian Kane. Brian, I have a staff meet, uh, a team meeting today. He'll be on there. I've hired him. But it's all about the mental game. Because I feel like that's very important. So that's a massive part of our program. And, and Brian is a big part of that. And he's a part of our staff, really. Uh, because I think, again, that's a, that's a competitive advantage for us, but it also is a way to help these guys as they, they move on with their life after basketball. Thank you. Next question comes from Chris. What type of players are you looking for to place LMU on a national level? There's two things I'm looking for. You got to be a freaking great person. You got to be a great person. No, knucklehead, no knuckleheads allowed. And you got to be a, you got to be a great player. I'm not taking, if you're, a, if you're a really, 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 really good person, I mean really good, and you're an average basketball player, you ain't coming. I don't care how good you are. And you can be damn good. I mean high-level good. But if you are not a great person, you will not be in our program. The most important thing to me is our culture. And I've told our guys, when I look back at the end of this year and I'm evaluating what we did and what we didn't do, the number one thing I'm looking for to see if we advance is where is our culture? Because I really believe if we get, when we get the right people on this ship, we're going to take off. And it's going to be really hard. But I'm not going to settle to get, well, he can play in the WCC. What does that mean? If he sucks, he can't play here. He can play at LME. What does that mean? The guys that we're taking, they got to be able to play in the Pac-12, man, at some level. They got to be able to play in the Big East at some level. And if they can't do that, they can't be a part of our program. So that, that's really what I'm looking for. Question, this, uh, this next question comes in from David. What's one thing you will take from Marquette and Coach Woj as the head coach at LMU running your program now? The one thing Wojo did, and I've told him this, that he did probably better than anybody I've seen, is the energy he brought to practice. If you walked in our practice day one of the start of season,